Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The hit Paramount Plus original docuseries returns. The last time I saw Max, he looked at us laughing, and then everything changed in a blink of an eye. My feeling as a detective is that he was murdered. Yahoo Entertainment calls it a spine-chilling docuseries, showcasing real-life tragedies. What if it was your child who went missing? We need to know the truth. Never seen again. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome and wake up! It's a Wednesday version uh, version of the Pick Six podcast. It's Tuesday with Leger Doosable, but it's a special edition, and we will get to Will Brinson's absence since he's typically the host for Tuesdays. Uh, but Leger, it's a special edition because you're down in Mobile, Alabama. You're at the Senior Bowl. Uh, we're gonna dig into a little bit of what you've seen so far. But first off, had you been to Mobile, Alabama before? Did you go last year? This is my third year in a row going, Brady, actually. So I've become a mainstay out here in Mobile, Alabama around this time. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to dig into what you've seen so far, maybe how this year's class looks compared to the previous two years' classes of draft prospects, and maybe just the overall field down there at the Senior Bowl. I unfortunately had a knee injury. I didn't get to plan it uh, back when I was coming out of the draft, but I did go down to Mobile to talk to some coaches and all that good stuff. Uh, But I will say this. We have to acknowledge the fact that our host, Will Brinson, isn't here. And I know that hurts yeah. both of us. It hurts both of us. But I want to give an update, all right? He is out of the pocket the next two days. He's having a laser hair removal. And as for anyone who Ooh. watches this show knows, he's a very, very hairy man. It's going to take him a <laughs> long time to remove all that hair across his body. So when he does come back Friday, hopefully our good friends behind the scenes, Harry and Sam, can make sure to update the other hosts and all the other uh, the Pick 6 podcast friends uh, about this, this hair removal procedure that he's having done right now. Um, speaking of hair removal, or removing some things from some hairy situations, an article popped out this morning about the New York Jets, Leger, and it's detailing a lot of the dysfunction that occurred behind the scenes for the New York Jets this past season. And look, we realized that the New York Jets were the story going into the year. The acquisition of Aaron Rodgers, Hard Knocks, all the hype and everything else built around this team, only to basically end after four plays for Rodgers tearing his Achilles and being out the rest of the season. And then ensued the drama as Robert Sala tried to hold this team together. Zach Wilson came in and then out and then in and then out as the starting quarterback for this team. Um, I, I know you probably haven't had time to read the entire article, but I'll just start off by saying this. You are very close to the team. Does it feel as dysfunctional as some people would say it is from the outside or or some some of the folks that have reported on this team? How do I answer this best, uh, bestly? And you know, Brady, I, I always try to keep it 100. I would say yes and no. Yes and no. And I say yes from, from this point, right? Because like you said, going into the season, 
you know, with all the hype around Aaron Rodgers, we knew this was a championship defense. And for it to end in four plays was just ridiculous. Now, when I when I say yes, there was dysfunction errors because let's not forget throughout the whole year when people were clamoring and yelling to bench Zach Wilson, what was Robert Sala saying, Brady Quinn? Zach Wilson gives us the best chance to win, right? Was he not saying that every single week? Um, he was saying. I think he felt. I think he felt a little bit under the pressure, like you talked about, right? And decided to bench him one week, and we saw it was extremely worse when you know other quarterbacks had to play instead of Zach Wilson. And, and for the longest, you know, he's beating the table trying to tell everybody. Well, and media pundits, most most uh, most importantly, the Jets beat. We're coming out. What? You know, why can't you put another quarterback in just to give a spark? Like, Brady, we know this. Like, sometimes you bring in a new quarterback, it doesn't automatically mean there's going to be a spark, right? It can get worse. Right. Like, people don't understand. Like, it literally can get worse. And it got worse for the Jets. So that played into some of the dysfunction. And then they had to go back to Zach Wilson where there was a rumor that came out that Zach was saying, you know, I don't know if I feel comfortable. And I was the first one to come out and say this, Brady. If I was Zach Wilson, I wouldn't feel comfortable going back in there either, right? You right. have an offensive line that, Protected nobody this entire season, right? Like it's special when you play in New York because literally your life is under a microscope, under under a microscope more than any other city, right? Because it's the media media capital of the world. Like anything you do, say, gets blown up tenfold in the city of New York. It takes a special person to be a quarterback of a of a franchise in the city of New York. So Zach Wilson well, dealt with a lot. Now again, did he need to get better in some areas? Yes, but he did get better from last year to this year, I think everybody was so, you know, locked into him being the number two overall pick instead of looking at him for what he was, Brady. And that was the backup quarterback. Like, he was supposed to be a backup quarterback for two years behind Aaron Rodgers. So, to me, you got backup quarterback type play from Zach Wilson. They decided to bench him, which was part of the dysfunction and didn't have to go back to him. Then bench him again and didn't have to go back to him again. That was the dysfunction, right? I think a lot yeah. of it was well, blown out. It, Go ahead, Brady. So let, let me just cut you off there because there's a number of things that the article kind of uh, sorts through. And, and I'll just start off yeah. by looking at the top-down level approach because um, it wasn't just talking about the quarterback situation with Zach Wilson as the primary form of, uh, of dysfunction. One of the things that touches on is the fact that Woody Johnson, their owner, uh, seems to be constantly monitoring social media, constantly monitoring what's said about the Jets, about the team, uh, in the news. And one of the things that the article brought up too was the fact that Robert Sala didn't feel like the Jets were handled and and discussed uh, the same way the Giants were. Because you mentioned the New York media market and how big it is and now the microscope that they're under. He kind of felt like, well, maybe the Jets were under a little bit more of a microscope more so than what you saw with the New York Giants, even though they, they were a playoff team a year ago, obviously didn't have that same success. Their starting quarterback got hurt. Uh, and, and maybe it was because of the feel-good story of Tommy DeVito, which eventually came right. to the end, uh, whatever you want to point to. But the reality is, do, do you feel like from this season, based on the Jets and the Giants, and I guess the lack of accomplishment of both, that it was handled the same way by the media? I don't even think it's this season. I think it's been like that in totality. I, I liken it to this, Brady. This is the analogy I use when people ask me what it's like playing for both franchises because I'm one of the few – they had a unique pleasure. Me, uh, Damon Snacks Harrison, and Leonard Williams, we all play for both franchises, which is interesting because we're all D linemen, right? Um, when you look at the Jets and, and the Giants and how they're kind of portrayed in the media, to me, the Giants are portrayed as 
the Duke basketball team, right? Uh, do everything right. You know, um, wear button up shirts, like everybody falls in line. And then when you look at the Jets, it's like everybody treats them like the Fab Five, right? Even the fan base is a little bit more rugged, blue collar, right? A little bit more rowdy. You, you know this, Brady. They're a little bit more rowdy. Um, you know, they, they go hard for the for the Jets. Are you? So, are you? Hold on, hold on for a second. Are you bringing up what was the social media discussion from this past weekend's AFC Championship game? It felt like there were some people making comparisons to the Baltimore Ravens and the Chiefs and the whole. Fab oh no! Five I've, I've been on record. I've been on record. I've been on record to say this like years ago. I've said okay, this. okay. Um, and, and and the interesting thing is like, let's put this into perspective, Brady. If the thing that happened between Wink Martindale and Brian Dayball happened for the Jets, you don't think that story would have lasted for about three weeks, right? It, it seemed like that story lasted for two days, and there was there was crazy rumors coming from the Giants of what like really happened between Wink Martindale and Brian Dayball. If that was the Jets, that would have been a story for three weeks, Brady. It literally lasted two days, and nobody's talking about it anymore. So I get what Robert Sala is saying. Like, it's there's some truth to it, and you even admitted to it. Like, this year, the way that the two teams recovered, there was a little – even though there was dysfunction on both sides, right? right? Because there was rumors that, like, Wink Martindale and, and Brian Dable got each other's faces, like, multiple, right. multiple times. Right? Well, if that was the Jets, think, that would have been blown up. <laughs> I, I think the difference for me is that – it comes with the territory, at least this season. I'm not going to look at the the past decade or so or, or whatever it's been. Yeah. At least for this season, you got Aaron Rodgers. So, of course, you're going to have a bullseye on your back. Of course, you're going to be discussed. Right. We're on hard knocks to start the season. There's, there's already this um, kind of peek behind the curtains as far as what's going on. So the way I looked at it was – you got to kind of take that, what comes along with that, right? You made the decision to bring on Aaron Rodgers. This was your answer to go win a Super Bowl. And so you have to understand there's going to be more scrutiny when things don't work out. There's going to be more hype around it. Uh, and so that was more of kind of like a, a throwaway thing of like, all right, you know, things not being handled the same. Well, how can you expect them to be handled the same? You're not in the same situation. Right. If the Giants had gotten yeah. Aaron Rodgers, maybe they would probably scrutinize the same way too because he does tend to be a polarizing figure. I think a couple of things that like stood out were it, the details, basically the offense, the lack of detail from Nathaniel Hackett, the fact that the offense yeah. was really built for Aaron Rodgers, which didn't really work then when it was there for another quarterback, Zach Wilson, Tim Boyle, whoever you want to point to after that. Yeah. And, and that became one of the focal points of, you know, do you put that on Nathaniel Hackett? Do you put on a Robert Sala for bring in Nathaniel Hackett? Is Nathaniel Hackett basically there just because he's close with Aaron Rodgers? Probably the case. Um, yeah. And so you, you start to kind of read through the article and you go, yeah, I, I can see how that would lead to a lack of success in the offense, even though I think right. we, we both would agree Zach Wilson got better. It talks about Zach Wilson-Aaron Rodgers' relationship, yeah. how that was kind of non-existent during the period of time Rodgers got surgery and was away from the team. So there's a lot, a lot of details to this whole, the whole story of the New York Jets this season. And, and it summarizes, and just so we don't go too long on this one subject, it summarizes on this. And I think it was the fact that Robert Sala couldn't really get over the media focus on their team, even after Rodgers was there. And in particular about the Zach Wilson decision and the comments about leaks and all of that, it seemed like there just was something that he couldn't get over. And his focus seemed to be more on the perception of the team as opposed to the foundation and the culture of this team. And so that's where I'll kick it to you and just ask, like when I look at the Robert Sala era so far, 
it feels like there's a lot of concern about how they're perceived, how they're viewed, and not so much about necessarily kind of building things to be ready for that moment now to take off and go win a Super Bowl. And that's really what this article details to me, at least. We had this discussion earlier in the year, like when Nathaniel Hackett was the offensive coordinator, we were saying with Aaron Rodgers, at quarterback, you can kind of hide some of those deficiencies of a from a play caller perspective, right? But when Zach Wilson had to come in, it seems like Nathaniel Hackett didn't know how to change or call plays according to Zach Wilson's skill set. And that's why he struggled a good portion of the year. And to, to make this point even greater, right? He And I can't believe Nathaniel Hackett even come out and said this. He was saying like later in the year, he didn't know that Brees Hall was as good of a pass catcher as he was, right? I, and, I, and I've been saying it all year long. I'm like, we need to get Brees Hall more involved in the pass game. I mean, Brady, Brees Hall was the number four guy in total all-purpose yards this year. But a lot of that came literally probably like the last five, six weeks of the season because they didn't get him involved in the passing game until then. So that there's some of that dysfunction as well, right? And we questioned whether Nathaniel Hackett would be able to be able to, to switch things up and call for the personnel that he had because we know with Aaron Rodgers, he calls so much of the offense from the line of scrimmage. Again, like Nathaniel Hackett being there, he's the offensive coordinator, but so is Aaron Rodgers. He's another offensive coordinator on the field. So, uh, again, when you talk about Robert Sala and people saying he was more focused on what the media – I talk to Robert like every like every week. Like he was, he was focused on the players in the locker room and holding them together because – you know how it is, Brady. When you lose a guy like Aaron Rodgers, you feel like your season is over, and essentially it is, right? Because you went all in to get this Hall of Fame quarterback because you have a championship defense. And when you lost Aaron Rodgers, right, like as a head coach, you got to be able to galvanize and keep your team together. So I, I don't know if I agree with the he was more focused on what the media was saying about him. Now, I know how that can be misconstrued because of how this article came out and how he talked about how the Giants aren't covered like the Jets. But as we spoke about, Brady, We've seen how the two teams, more specifically this year, were covered, and it wasn't on uh, even playing field. Yeah, and and look, I, I understand that's it's your vantage point. I think from my vantage point, when you look at the season as a whole, you know Shane Steichen, who's a first-year head coach for the Colts, they have their rookie quarterback go down. Gardner Minshew leads them into a make-or-break lat, you know, end of the end of the year, you know, or excuse me, week eighteen game to try to get into the playoffs. They didn't win it, but they still remained afloat with Gardner Minshew at a Pro Bowl year. So they found a way that Cleveland Browns, I mean, started five quarterbacks through the course of the season and were still yeah. able to find their way into the playoffs with 11 wins in a really, really tough AFC North. I and mean, let's not forget, there was three teams that went to the playoffs from the AFC North this year, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers being one of them and clearly the number one overall seed, the Baltimore Ravens. So I understand what you're saying. I think the tough thing about it, and I think even for Jets fans, and I'm not trying to speak for Jets fans, but I am saying this, there's other examples of teams that lost their starting quarterback and were able to still maintain and still find ways of winning football games and get to the postseason. And I think for the Jets, to your point, as talented as they are on defense, as good as Brees Hall is as a running back, some of the other pieces, I think they're probably frustrated, saying to themselves, like, I feel yeah. like we should have been able to have somewhat of a similar run to, to allow ourselves to make it in there, at least as a wild card team, or have a shot at the end of the season. And unfortunately, it felt like the, the season was over by week 15. Yeah, and I know we probably got to get to the next step, subject, but I, I think that was part of the issue from Jet Nation. Everybody was wondering, why didn't they bring in a veteran, right? And there was rumors that I heard that there was so much money allocated to the quarterback position already that they weren't willing to bring somebody in. Because let's not forget, Zach Wilson's contract is guaranteed as the number two pick. 
Aaron Rodgers' contract was, you know, $50 million. Again, that could be part of the dysfunction, not, you know, throwing more money in there to bring a a solidified veteran quarterback. Come on, LeJay. Joe Flacco was just there and he was on the street. I mean, it wasn't like he's breaking. He's still Joe Flacco, though. Yeah, Joe Flacco took him to the playoffs. So, I mean, I I just. I I, I get what you're saying, too, but you also have to look at, you know, the offensive coordinator position, what we talked about, right? With with, with Rodgers going down, was Nathaniel Hackett the guy to be able to, uh, with Zach Wilson or any other quarterback, be able to change what what he does to really benefit or or, or really highlight the, the, the current talent that that quarterback has where we see yeah, I would say this like I think, that, Stefanski be, I think that, that, that I think that speaks more though to than Joe Flacco's ability to learn a system and because he's a veteran player and he's won a Super Bowl and he's been around a long time yeah. to go in and learn it right away and execute uh because he did yeah. it with Kevin Stefanski in that offense it wasn't like he was around it was all sure. new to him I mean he was that he was the guy beating the Browns last year at the beginning of the season but we're gonna take a break when we come back though we're gonna talk about the fact that Leger I don't know if you can believe this but there's some there's some offensive coordinators who are turning down the bag. They're turning down the opportunity yeah. to become a head coach. We're going to talk about that decision, what we think as players on the other side. Ready? Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hang on! It's off the charts spectacular. Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. <laughs> This is getting exciting. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. New CBS Monday. Federal agents. Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violin Island, you got it. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Nothing like a Joe Musso voiceover. <laughs> I feel like God sure. created Joe Musso for voiceovers. He's so good at them and I'm excited about seeing the entire crew for uh, for CBS out there for the Super Bowl. But we got to get back to talking about offensive coordinators who have decided to stay put. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on this because I think there was a thought that it was basically a done deal. The offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, from the Detroit Lions, was going to become the next head coach of the Washington Commanders. And then all of a sudden, he decides to come back after their disappointing loss, being up 24-7 to to the 49ers. What's your, what was your initial impressions, and what do you make of him passing up the bag, if you will, passing up that head, head coaching opportunity? Wow. Wow, 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 Brady. And the thing is, we talked about this before. Like I believe last week, matter of fact, because we were saying you have to be careful when you're in a position to potentially be a head coach, right? Because you just don't know which way the pendulum is going to swing in the future. We, we talked about, you know, Kellen Moore and how he was one of the hottest commodities in regards to being a head coach a few years ago. Byron Leftwich, who's not even in the NFL right now, who was one of the, the hottest commodities. And now you have Ben Johnson. And it's, it's a little weird if I'm being honest, Brady, because last year I could understand him wanting to come back. Maybe he felt like he wasn't ready to take on that role as a head coach. Maybe he wanted to mature a little bit more in regards to being a leader of man, because we know he's a great X's and O's guy in regards to calling plays for the Detroit Lions. But this year, like you said, everybody thought this was a done deal, right? We all thought the commanders were literally waiting for Ben Johnson to finish his run with the Detroit Lions 
to be a head coach. So now it gets everybody asking questions, right? Brady, like, is this a scenario? Because let's not forget, before, you know, Jim Harbaugh became available, it seemed like Ben Johnson was slated to go to the Chargers. Was this a scenario where he was like, well, I'm going to go to a place where I know there's a franchise quarterback already in place because we have not seen him be able to develop a young quarterback yet because he didn't have – hasn't had to do that, right? He had Jared Goff, who was already a veteran when he got to Detroit, and he kind of helped him kind of resurrect his career already. But Jared Goff had already been to a Super Bowl. So now, like, I'm asking questions like, is this a scenario where Ben Johnson didn't want to start over, even though he had a boatload of money with the commanders to spend? He had some talent on the outside with Scary Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. I mean, I always thought, and Brady, you know this, I thought Atlanta was a better fit for him anyway just because of the weapons they had on offense and then being able to pick a top 10 quarterback, but Washington picks even higher, right? They pick number two overall, I believe. So you're going to, you know, most likely get Drake may or Jaden Daniels. Uh, To me, it's, it's a little weird now because he decided to do this not one year, but two years, Brady. And like we said, we just never know how the pendulum swings, what happens. And I don't foresee this happening with Detroit because I just think the way they've got that foundation laid, I think they'll still have a really good offense next year. But you just never know, Brady. Like, what if they, you know, they, they they revert back to who they were before? Is he still going to be a top candidate next year? Yeah, so I don't worry about that so much. You know, that was a point Pete Prisco brought up earlier this week when we were on HQ. And one of the things I, I keep saying back to him is, how many failed first-time head coaches do we still get, see get another opportunity? Happens all the time. I mean, well, go a, back. Raheem Morris, like a decade, though. Uh, in some cases, but go back and look at Matt LaFleur's stats as an offensive play caller back when I believe it was the OC for the Tennessee Titans before he got the Green they Bay were, Packers good. coaching job. <laughs> I mean, it, it happens all the time. It, it's really, to me, not so much about do we worry about them falling back. I think when you see a candidate who um, turns down that opportunity to go somewhere, there's probably a lot of things that factor into that decision. You brought up a lot of good points. The quarterback situation. You know, He might want that veteran quarterback. He might look yeah. and say, hey, I think Justin Herbert is a stud, is a guy. Like, he's he's everything there. He might have walked into some of those interviews and said, well, are you guys going to stay at two? Because I, I might like Caleb Williams or Drake May. And if you guys, unless you guys move to number one and, and go to that spot so I can get that guy, maybe I don't feel as, as good about this position. The other thing is, is like, how much do we know about the new Washington ownership group? Not much. Ooh. Right. We know they're we know they're gonna build a new stadium. That's all good. We know they have deep pockets, that's great. We don't really know much else. And that might be tough for a first-time head coach to want to then attach himself to a new owner. I think you look at the recent history of one of the newest owners, David Tepper. And how do you think Matt Rule felt after signing he signed a, a seven-year deal? Bang, after not even full three, four years. Frank Wright, one year, not even a full year into it, and he gets taken out and he gets clipped. And supposedly Ben Johnson was one of the candidates that David Tepper looked at last year as well as this year, too, as a potential candidate. So I think the ownership structure and group matters. And, and what you know might be better off than what you don't know, especially with a newer group or a newer owner. Personally, uh, you know, you hear reports that his family likes to stay up in Detroit. So maybe there's a personal element to it. It's not like he, he needed to go take a job because he's still under contract with the Detroit Lions. And actually, sure. to that point, these coordinators are making bank now. If you go look, look, he got a raise. (laughs) You look back ten years ago; these guys weren't getting paid upwards of two to four million dollars, right? That was like head coaching money top end. Now coordinators can get paid up to that amount, and so if owners are willing to pay a coordinator that much, I mean, you don't really have to be in a rush to go somewhere where 
your your reputation gets damaged if you go take that shot and an owner moves on from you after a year or two, especially a new owner who's still trying to figure out the process of how they go about building that organization. So yeah, I, I can understand the patience. I think the one thing that bothers me is when I see a report from Adam Schefter that comes out and says, well, you know, apparently the amount of money he was asking for, teams were spooked by. Okay, well, throw out the number. Like how much? Exactly. How much <laughs> and, and the reason why I ask that is for this reason. Bill Belichick probably was making as much money as anyone in the NFL for a few reasons. One, he's the most successful coach we've seen in NFL history. Two, he wore multiple hats. He was the head coach. He was the general manager. You're kind of compensating him there for both, all right? And the third reason is you want to compensate him so he's happy so he doesn't want to go anywhere else. So th there's your three reasons. Let's just say he was making 20-plus million, all right? People might say, well, that's warranted. That's justified. He's got multiple hats. He's the most successful we've seen. But why shouldn't then Ben Johnson want that? I mean, take, for example, the quarterback position. Is Patrick Mahomes not the best in the NFL? Is he always getting paid more than everyone else in the NFL? No. True. When the next guy right. comes up for his contract, he's going to surpass him. So we it's don't look market. at like – it's the market. We don't look at the Dak Prescott deal and go, well, should he be making more than Patrick Mahomes? That? We don't say that. We just go, well, he's next up. A lot of people, lot of people say do say it, though. <laughs> well, people may say that, but they're not saying that then when they have to go buy a gallon of gas, a gallon of gas just went up. That's the price right. of getting a franchise quarterback. That's, that's, a that's, the that's what you're going to pay for it as an organization. Yeah. So the funny thing about that is then, let's just look at it this way. If you're Ben Johnson, why wouldn't you ask for what is market rate? If, if Bill Belichick's interviewing for jobs and he's asking for that amount, or you've interviewed other places and you're saying, hey, this is the number if you want my services. Okay, spook teams. To me, that, that report actually looked more damning to any team that's interviewed Ben Johnson if they were spooked by the amount he asked for, for them looking potentially cheap. It's like, go make exactly. the financial commitment because if you don't make it to him, you're probably going to make it to someone else. And even if right. it's a little bit less, so what are you, you're being cheap with your head coaching hire? You're trying to get him at a discount? Like that to me didn't resonate. And it kind of came off as a little bit as, all right, who is he speaking for? Because we all know insiders, and they're usually trying to take positions to kind of speak for certain organizations. So if the number was too big, what's the number? Was it thirty million? You know, if I, was it twenty, twenty-five? Is, is that too much? Like, if if Mike Vrabel wanted twenty million, are we saying is that too much? I mean, Jim Harbaugh was going to get twelve and a half million if he would have stayed at Michigan, and that's probably yeah. not including the incentives and escalators and things within that contract if you won more national championships at Michigan. So are we now saying like? I mean, I don't know what he's getting paid with the Chargers. I assume it's more than twelve and a half million a year. So Probably. I hate to beat a drum here on talking about this, but I kind of hated seeing that report because I'm like, come on, man! Like, re re release what information you have. Otherwise, it looks short sighted. Then does it not? Yeah, and if you look at it right, if you know what your 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 worth or like we talked about the market value is, why wouldn't you try to get top dollar? And if you're Ben Johnson and you know you're the bell of the ball, everybody wants you. Why wouldn't you want to be? reset the market and be the next highest paid coach, right? Even if you haven't done it before. And to your point, Brady, I, I didn't even think about this. I thought this was an amazing point by you. With the new ownership group, you really don't know what you're going to get because there isn't a track record there, right? So if you're Ben Johnson, and like you said, if the money didn't spook him away, that's a little damning to the commanders because I want financial security to know that I'm going to be here at least three or four years. So like, yes, this is what I'm asking for because you're not the only person vying for my services, right? There's multiple teams that want me, and and to your point, it seemed like that 
it almost came to a head where it seemed like it was a for sure deal that he was going to the commander. So I, I like I, I don't know what happened the last few weeks. Maybe it was a number, and maybe the new ownership group didn't feel comfortable. But like you said, to me, that's more damning on them because you essentially had an opportunity to get the top guy in the marketplace, right? And you were saying that you're willing to spend money to change things around. Why wouldn't you spend money to bring in the head coach that you want to change things around and change that culture around? Yeah, and one thing I can promise you to that point is the number only goes up in subsequent years, right? <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so you go find a guy that you're not wild about, but he's the guy and things don't work out after a year or two. Well, you're paying him. You're paying that entire staff. Then you're paying the next guy too, which that price has only gone up. So uh, it seems a little short-sighted in my you're opinion. You're going to be in David Tepper. Well, exactly, which, again, he's the newest owner. And I think if I was any head coaching candidate, as much as you're flattered for the opportunity and you you take that opportunity if you get there, I would be extremely hesitant, especially considering his track record so far and pulling the rug from out underneath head coaches. Uh, let's transition, though, to another hire, one that you know maybe because it didn't work out in Atlanta for Arthur Smith as their head coach, but now he goes to Pittsburgh in, in kind of a pitiful, pivotal spot. You know, the Steelers are coming off once again, a winning season, going to the playoffs. It was incredible um, considering the quarterback situation there too, winning with backups. But are you surprised by this hire? Is there some concerns because offensively it didn't work out in Atlanta with him now taking over in this critical uh, point, I think for Mike Tomlin, the Pittsburgh Steelers, as he goes into the final year of his deal? Yeah, a, a little surprise, but not too much, just knowing how Mike Tomlin thinks, right? He's a def defensive-minded coach. And you know, Brady, defensive-minded coaches, they want a physical run game. And Arthur Smith does that to a T. Now, for all the, you know, issues he had in Atlanta with maybe not getting the most out of B. John Robinson and, and Kyle Pitts and also um, Drake, uh, London Drake, we know for sure that they were going to run the pill in Atlanta. Which, by the and way, think, it was it was a little bit interesting that they say that. Like he did carry the ball over two hundred, I think two hundred seventeen times. Yeah, I thought that was a little he had weird like too. Eight receptions. I was like, for a rookie running back, that's kind of a lot, especially considering how good Algier was in spots Correct. for them. Like, I, I didn't look at it and think like, oh, you didn't utilize him enough. Maybe it just didn't quite work out the way you, you tried to utilize him. Well, you know what it is, Brady. When you're drafted that high, you could get you be, you're compared to the guy that was drafted right after you, and Jameer Gibbs. I think Jameer Gibbs having a, a little bit better of a season, getting drafted a few spots after him. They get that comparison, and and they're probably thinking, why aren't they using them like Jameer Gibbs? Where, like you said, essentially they kind of did. He just didn't have the production that Jameer Gibbs had as well. But but going back to Arthur Smith, I think Mike Thomas sat back and said, we need to get back to the old Stiller way, right? The physicalness in the trenches. We need to run the ball consistently consist, consistently, because they really didn't run the ball consistently until like the last two or three games of the season, right? For a good portion of the season, Jalen Warren was the most explosive back and he was splitting carries. And then all of a sudden it kind of changed the last three weeks where, you know, uh, Najee Harris found the fountain of youth, I guess it's more like it and decided to really want run a little bit more physical. And he averaged over four yards of carry the last three games where before that, he was averaging like 3.7 yards a carry. So I think Mike Tomlin thought about it and was like, I want to bring that old physical attitude. And I know with Arthur Smith, we're going to we're going to get that. Now the question is, will he get the best out of George Pickens, right? Because we we saw over when we when he was with the Atlanta Falcons that he didn't get the best out of Kyle Pitts or, or even Drake London. So I think that's the big biggest concern coming into it. But I know for one thing for sure, Brady, they're gonna have a physical run game with Arthur Smith as the offensive coordinator. Yeah, and just back to the initial point, I mean, obviously, um, 
Bijan Robinson carried the football more. He caught the football more. He's targeted more. Um, you know, Gibbs wasn't even used quite as much until kind of the halfway point of the season for Detroit. <laughs> he started to turn that on. So, I, I look, I attribute it more to the quarterback situation there in Atlanta. I think that was something that if you go back to um, Arthur Smith's time as a play caller for the Tennessee Titans, they were top 10 in both scoring and yards one year. They were top 12 at a minimum, both scoring and yards uh, his, his other year there. The quarterback play was better with Ryan Tannehill right. during that time. And obviously Derrick Henry is a huge piece of that too, right? Um, but to your point, like I, I think you get back to a situation where the question is still who's the quarterback? I mean, we've heard yeah. our Rooney even talk about it. Mike Tomlin's talked about it. They want competition for Kenny Pickett going into the offseason. I would suspect they're going to bring in a big free, ag- free agent. And if I was a free really? agent that I had had success in the past and I'm trying to resurrect my career – one of the things that you know with Mike Tomlin team so far, you're going to have a winning record. You're going to have a shot at going to the playoffs. You have talent around you. You have a defense that's not going to force you to be in a position of shootouts. That would be a wonderful spot. If, if I'm a quarterback who's become a free agent and I'm trying to resurrect things or try to go win and get in the playoffs, the only downside is the fact that you're going to be in the AFC where the best quarterbacks <laughs> are in the NFL right now. So that's the biggest struggle. But outside of that, I think it'd be a really good scenario for any free agent to come in there Go compete. If you win the job, you're set up, I think, to be successful based on what they currently have. But that's still a big question, I think, going into the offseason. Or do you think it's Kenny Pickett's job? They just want him to win the battle as they go into uh, 2024. From everything I've heard, it's 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 going to be a quarterback competition. I would not be surprised if Pickett doesn't start training camp as the number two guy. Right. So, so to your point, Mason Rudolph, did he do enough to warrant a contract that's that's big enough where the Steelers don't pay him? Or does a guy like Russell Wilson come into play in this scenario, right? A guy that most likely is going to be a free, <coughs> excuse me, a free agent. If I'm Mason Rudolph, though, I saw how this team kind of rallied around me. And depending on what the free agent market looks like, I might take a Baker Mayfield type deal to become the starter for you know the foreseeable future because Baker Mayfield was able to take his opportunity and he's going to turn it into probably a three-year type deal this year, this offseason, because he's earned it, right? I can see Mason Rudolph doing the same thing, even if a team, let's say, offers him a million or two more to come there. But he knows the Steelers locker room. He knows the organization. He knows that they're willing to change quarterbacks up. So he knows he's going to have a legit opportunity to be the quarterback for the next three to five years. So if I'm Mason Rudolph, I I know Rooney said he's going to bring in a veteran. I wonder if he's thought about putting Mason Rudolph in that conversation. And I'm thinking a bigger name than that. You know, I think they know what they have in Mason Rudolph. I think they view him as a backup. I would think like Russell Wilson, someone like that who, you know, could maybe find his way to a place like Pittsburgh where if he if he goes there given his contract and everything else, um, that'd be one thing. But if he's released and can, can sign that free agent deal, that would be a spot that I think would be a really interesting mix based on, yeah. you know, his track record. I know things haven't worked out in Denver, but he would be a guy that I'd keep an eye on. I mean, I, I know Kirk Cousins is a free agent. They got to figure out things there. He's going to be highly desired. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, I mean, he's going to be highly desired to see where he wants to go. The toughest thing right. for someone in Cousins' position is we know how the Pittsburgh Steelers like the structure of their contracts. They don't have big signing bonuses. Cousins has been arguably one of the best in the business of football. So Best businessman sure, ever. <laughs> I, I'm not sure we're going to get the, uh, the contract that he's looking for. All right. One quick subject before we take a break, and we'll get to some of your senior bowl notes and observations uh, over the past uh, the last tw- uh, 48 hours. Uh, I want to ask you about the Pro Bowl because the Pro Bowl is coming up this weekend. And it, it feels like, look, and this is no disrespect, 
it feels like it's become an afterthought. You know, there's no game. It's flag football. It's, you know, it's not out in Aloha Stadium like it used to be. I've got the number I, I kind of put in our little rundown about the uh, the viewership, and it's really dwindled. Uh, if you go oh, back yeah. to 2011, 2012, and obviously the last time they played in Aloha Stadium there uh, in Hawaii was 2016. And so you saw a little bit of a spike, but it's been kind of back on the decline since. Are you, are you even going to watch? Do you even pay attention to the Pro Bowl anymore? Does it have the same prestige it used to? No, it, it doesn't have the same prestige, but I think you're getting more participation by the players just because, you know, the the injury uh, the injury aspect isn't as big as it was before because guys were actually tackling guys before when it was out there in Hawaii and there was full games being played. Now there's dodgeball, there's, um, you know, different courses they run through and everything. Uh, but the prestige, like you said, it just isn't there. I think it was something about being in Hawaii, Brady, like, even though a lot of fans couldn't make that travel, guys would actually tune in, right? Because, like, all the top guys used to pay in, like, you know, Brady was in it, Peyton Manning was in it. And then all of a sudden, like you said, around, like, 20, like, 14, 15, 16, guys started just, you know, saying, you know what, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. Especially when they moved it to Orlando, I'm not going to go anymore. I'm not going to go anymore. And then it got ridiculous where, like, the fifth or sixth alternate was in the Pro Bowl. I remember, I believe Tyler Huntley made the Pro Bowl yeah. One year, and I yeah. was like, "You played like three games that year. Like, what? Yeah. This is a joke at this point. We just need to stop this period because it's ridiculous." Like, at the end of the day, especially you just never know with guys who are where their contacts, <clears throat> excuse me, situation is. Was that a big factor of it? Right when guys were getting ready to try to ask for new deals, renegotiate, or were they're going to be free agents? They were like, "You know what? I'm good. I'm not playing in it because I don't want to risk getting injured in this game." And, and now I think it's it's fun what they're doing with the different games and everything because uh, i remember back in the day where they used to have like the the 225 bench competition and oh, yeah. uh, they used to have the quarterbacks throw for the lungs like those oh. things were actually kind of cool and i think they're trying to get back to that but it's kind of just lost a, a, a lot of its like cachet in regards to viewership tuning in because it's essentially like a a recent like like grown man playing recess this is essentially yeah. what it is yeah. <laughs> what it is now so and, yeah and you can I, find I that you can find that on social media too, right? You see all these trick shots, right. dude perfect, all these different guys who are doing that sort of thing right. too. So it kind of takes away a little bit from some of that stuff. But here's the deal. We got to get a break because we got to get what you're you're seeing down there, your eyes, your ears, what you're hearing down there in Mobile, Alabama. So let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk to Leger about what's stood out so far down in Mobile. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. For the movie that hits like a bus. In a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls. Made at PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Spring training is in full swing and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us. That means you need to join us on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every Monday through Saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of March. We'll break down the latest news, spring training updates, players to target, and much more in just five minutes. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. All right, Leger, you're down there in Mobile right now. So we've got to pick your brain as far as what you're seeing, what's it like for a lot of these guys who just ended their college career, and now they're kind of in this uh, purgatory, if you will, of football before they're able to showcase themselves and then go on to the next level to play in the NFL. 
Yeah, and Brady, we both went through this process. So, like, at the at the Senior Bowl, I didn't go to the Senior Bowl. I went to Texas First Nation, which is equivalent to, like, the Hula Bowl now. Um, you know, you're trying to make some money this week. That's what you're essentially trying to do. You're trying to put your best foot forward. You get to spend, you know, intimate time with scouts and coaches, and they want to see how you interact when there's competition on the field. And, and Brady, you know, there's usually the first day everybody's a little bit tight because everybody wants to be perfect. They don't want any bad impressions. I always like today, which is the second day, because guys are a little bit more free and loose because they know what to expect going forward. So um, I'll get right into it because everybody always wants to talk about the quarterbacks, right? The quarterbacks. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Well, let's just talk overall. Who stood out to okay. you? Who, was, who are some guys that popped? To me, without a question, Quinion Mitchell is probably the best defensive player here, the corner from Toledo. And honestly, Brady would not be surprised if he packed it up after yesterday. I mean, smooth, easy runner. Never seems like he's ever, like, in a panic mode, right? Patience at the line of scrimmage, always trailing. Not trailing, but always in the hip pocket of the receiver. And yesterday, Brady, it just seemed easy for him. I mean, multiple PBUs yesterday. I don't believe he lost one rep of one-on-one. I don't believe he lost one rep in team period. And when I, let me preface this, Brady, when I say pack it up, because you know there's a lot of times – when guys go and dominate to a level that they like, like that he dominated yesterday, a lot of agents will come in and be like, "All right, we we showed everybody that we can play with the upper, uh, you know, competition because he was at Toledo, right? Which is you know a a not a power five group of five school. So that's always the big question mark: Can he play with the big boys? Can he play with the big boys? And a lot of people had him as a first round corner already going into this week. Honestly, I don't think he could do much else because if you look at like just the roster. And it looked like one of the best rosters going into the senior bowl in years. A lot of guys dropped out last minute. So a lot of the top guys aren't here. So I I could see his agent come in and say, like, the only thing we could technically do is probably hurt ourselves if we continue to go out here or physically get hurt. Physically hurt yourself. Yeah, yeah, let's protect ourselves. Go home, get ready for the combine. I mean, he dominated yesterday. Another guy I was really impressed with, Brandon Fist, the defensive tackle from Florida State. I would say behind Byron Murphy and Jerson Newton is probably the best pass rushing defensive tackle, probably the third best defensive tackle pass rushing. Uh, He didn't lose one rep of one-on-one pass rushing, and people were worried about his size. I think he's like 295, but he plays with such great leverage, Brady, like on double teams. And Christian Haynes is a guy that I really like from UConn. Got no movement on him on a double team during uh, team play yesterday on a power play. Allowed the linebacker to scrape over the top and get a tackle for loss. A few offensive tackles that I really like, Tyler Guyton, six foot seven, uh, and Patrick Paul, who's also six foot seven, both have like 83-inch uh, wingspan, span, and they both play real physical. And the one thing you worry about when a guy is 6'7", Brady, is if they play a little bit too high, right? right. Speed to power usually affect, affects them. Neither one of these guys got beat with speed to power yesterday, so they anchor really well as well. So those are a few of the guys I was really impressed with yesterday. And then Lab McConkie, uh, it, it was it was a route machine yesterday. Like, really? You're not going to play off coverage on that guy in the slot and think, you're going to stop him with a three-way go. Like, it's just not going to happen. Uh, he was routing everybody up yesterday. All right, let's get to the uh, the final event, if you will, your observation of the quarterbacks. Uh, tell us who's down there and tell us who stood out. Yeah, so, I mean, the big names, obviously, Michael Penix Jr. and Bo Nix were, were here. And we saw what we've always seen from Michael Penix, be able to throw. He's probably the best deep ball thrower in this draft class, right? Uh, the question mark with him was, those intermediate layer throws, can he throw with touch? Because we know he has a flamethrower as an arm, right? We saw that in the Texas game in the college football playoff when he split the two safeties with that touchdown to, to McMillan over the middle. But the layer throws, and to me, I've seen him on tape do it. I think people just want to see it more consistently. And then with Bo Nix, 
we know he's the intermediate assassin right now. He struggled a little bit more than Penix did yesterday. The thing is, could he throw down field with, with more touch and, and more accuracy? And uh, didn't see much of that yesterday. Now, we saw it throughout the season at Oregon. We just need to see it more consistently. But the guy that I was really impressed with, Brady, that a lot of people probably aren't talking enough about is Michael Pratt from Tulane. Um, yep. This is a guy that came from a pro-style offense at Tulane that his mobility isn't talked about enough. They actually used him in quarterback runs a lot in Tulane, whether it was quarterback power or zone read. We saw it yesterday. He threw a nice seven route to Jaheim Bell with touch over the safety's head, uh, caught it for a first down, and then when things broke down, took off for a 15-yard scamper. So uh, I know he's getting some buzz down here. I have him as a second-round quarterback. Some people have him as a third round. I think he can really build on what he did yesterday and maybe put himself in that second round. Great stuff, Leger. Obviously, uh, I know you're having a lot of fun being down there. It's always fun to be a part of that process and talk to a lot of the the guys who are the decision makers, right? That's You get a lot of that down there, especially sure. the two teams that are coaching. Uh, so great stuff. I'm sure we're going to keep coming to you to get more of your insight from all of that. And, and by the way, thanks for waking up early with me today. I'm an early riser, so I know this is going to be I appreciate edition. you jumping on early. <laughs> Anytime, man. I, I'm up. I'm ready to go, especially for the Pick 6 podcast. We also should acknowledge the fact that, again, Will Brinson's not here. He's a very hairy man. He's still right now under the laser. They're trying to remove all the hair off of him. That's that's humanly possible. So it's going to take about a 48-hour period. He should be back later on this week. He did win, Leger. He did win our survivor pool. So he did. unfortunately, we're going to have to, to punt on this end of show segment. This is going to be it for today. Um, but make sure you join the Pick 6 podcast tomorrow for our Super Bowl Dynasty show. Remember to like, comment, subscribe on our YouTube page. Thank you for everyone for listening, especially those on the audio-only audio version. So make sure to download, follow, leave a five-star review. Tell your friends uh, to listen and watch the pod. Uh, we're here every single day bringing you the most, uh, you know, most hitting topics as well as, in this case, the Senior Bowl, all the insights oh, yeah. that you can't get anywhere else. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.